What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of wrestling powered today and brought to you by the brand new triple threat podcast on itunes as part of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast lineup join the franchise shane douglas as well as john and myself every single week for current events professional wrestling and anything and everything going on in the world of the franchise shane douglas brought to you unedited unfiltered and 100 percent complete franchise Shane Douglas. So join us every week here on the podcast feed for the brand new Triple Threat Podcast. So if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here 
on the two-man power trip of wrestling, the one and only John Paz. And John, we might be a 2MB, but we are joined by the man behind 3MB, as well as the one-man band, as WWE superstar Heath Slater joins today's program. And Heath is joining us to talk about his brand new wrestling school, Face-to-Face Wrestling, down in Atlanta, Georgia, a school that he is open to help find the future of professional wrestling in a hotbed of professional wrestling in Atlanta, Georgia, joined by some of the more premier trainers in professional wrestling that you're ever going to find, including his trainer, Mr. Hughes, Curtis Hughes, Ron Simmons, Teddy Long, Jazz, and a just absolutely dynamite lineup of guest trainers headed your way at Face to Face Wrestling. And you are in store for an absolutely amazing episode and quite possibly the most fun and I got to say just comedic episode of the year so far as Heath takes us on such a fun journey from going from FCW through the WWE and everything going on on the Raw brand right now. Heath takes us right in there, almost like we feel like we're in the locker room with Heath Slater as things are going on and he chronicles All the moments that you're thinking of, whether it's the debut of the Nexus or his teaming with Rhino to get his contract because, hey, he's got kids. He needs that contract. And basically being the hottest story of the end of 2016 for the WWE, as well as, I know this is John's personal favorite, the Raw 1000 Legends versus Heath Slater storyline that took about eight or nine weeks to develop and culminated in possibly the best segment on the Raw 1000. If you go back and either have watched that segment or watched that show, it still holds up to see Heath Slater take on guys like Sid and Vader and Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper and Diamond Dallas Page and all these great legends that Heath Slater was calling out, basically calling out, having matches with every week or a fun promo here or there. It was really just an absolutely hilarious time for Heath Slater, but... You want to talk about somebody who loves what they do. It is Heath Slater. And you hear that when he's talking about face to face. You hear that when he's talking about his journey in the business. And I got to tell you, by the end of this, you are going to love this guy. If you don't already, if you can't tell, I'm a huge fan of Heath Slater. And you're going to hear, I'm sure John is also a huge fan of Heath Slater. So I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. John, I'm going to welcome you in here now. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about face-to-face wrestling as well as some of the finer points and the highlights that we have to look forward to in this hilarious and awesome episode with Heath Slater. Yes, Chad, back here at the two-man power trip of wrestling, rocking and rolling, and we are back with a huge, monumental episode with the current WWE superstar Heath Slater over on the Raw brand, and yes, this is one of our most fun interviews that we've ever done. Now, it's one of the best, not only of 2017, like you said, but it's one of the best that we've ever done. And it's awesome to not only be able to get on a current star, a current star like Heath Slater that has been there, done that, will do it again. And he's just been, 
a remarkable star on TV. If you just think about his run and how long he's been there and really the start of NXT on the TV show and, and kind of how he went through that and then came up the ranks through Nexus and then obviously became a four-time WWE Tag Team Champ and so many memorable memories in between there such as his run against all the legends and we go into that in detail. We kind of go through almost each guy that that came up, you know, whether it be Vader, Sid, Lita, Ron Simmons. I mean, we we touch on them all, but this, this was so much fun to kind of go in depth and to get a WWE superstar on for as long as we did. It was just a, a treat as well. And Heath is just one of those guys where, boy, you know, you give him an inch and he'll he'll go a mile with with an awesome story. Or you know, he's just one of those funny guys that is just so relatable and so great. And that's why it's great that he's becoming a trainer down at Face to Face Wrestling. Yes, that's Face, the number two, and then Face again, Wrestling, down there in Hotlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. It is the premier wrestling training facility. You can check them out on their website, facetofacewrestling.com. Check them out on Twitter. Check them out on Facebook. Do whatever you can. Go wherever you have to go to find them out and find out when Heath Slater will be down there training. Obviously, they'll have some guest trainers as well, like Dr. Tom Pritchard, who's arguably the greatest wrestling trainer of all time. Then, obviously, the head trainer at the school, who we had an unbelievable interview with months ago, that is Curtis Hughes, a.k.a. Mr. Hughes, who coincidentally is also Heath Slater's trainer. And if you go back to that interview, we have some great stuff with Mr. Hughes talking about Heath. And obviously, in this interview, we have some great stuff from Heath talking about Mr. Hughes. Uh, Ron Simmons will be down there, Teddy Long... uh, jazz there's just so many cool different people you can learn from down there and if you're really aspiring to learn the wrestling business and you really want to be a part of the wrestling business who better to go to than a guy that's been in the WWE for over 11 years and that's Heath Slater a guy that's not only been on TV and been a part of WWE but has been a part of some major angles like they talked about the legends thing I mean he carried Raw for for months doing that thing leading up to Raw 1000 so if you really, really want to learn from somebody great, there's really nobody better. And if you go to the a premier training facility down there in Atlanta, there ain't nothing better. I mean, we do talk about the Performance Center a little bit in the interview, but this is something where, you know, the, the Performance Center seems to be more or more of a fine-tuning or something like that. This, in hot Atlanta, the face-to-face wrestling training facility, this is, is you know, nuts and bolts so you're going to get everything here uh, whether you want to learn about you know cut a promo whether you want to learn more about the in-ring whether you want to learn more about gathering some charisma whether you want to pick the brain of a guy like Heath Slater I mean it's just unbelievable training facility so please go out of your way to check it out I'll mention again it is face to face wrestling you can check it out their website go to Facebook go to Twitter you know check them out on all those places but before I kind of kick it back to you Chad I just want to kind of just do a brief run through of what really what was discussed in this interview we do talk about briefly we go deep south we'll briefly talk about fcw and how he was kind of the king down there former world champ for former southern champ former tag team champ and then of course we talk about his entire run in the wb this is a long lengthy detailed and absolutely fun conversation Heath is one of the best, and kind of that character on TV, like, man, this guy's just a fun-loving, awesome guy, so charismatic, that really shines through in this interview, and we really, really did have a blast, and I gotta say, he really is the one-man band, because he did a phenomenal interview with us, and we just really thank him again for coming on, and really, you know, appreciate the time that he gave us, it was a great, lengthy interview, and some pretty awesome stuff, so, Chad, I'm gonna send it back over to you, but think about this. 
the one-man band. He's got kids, and now he's got an awesome training facility down there in Hotlanta. Absolutely, and do yourself a favor and check out Face to Face Wrestling and check out Heath Slater and all he's got going on. Of course, you can catch Heath Slater every Monday night on Monday Night Raw on the USA Network as part of the Red Crew, the Red Brand, the Raw Brand. Every single Monday night, Heath Slater bringing the noise to the WWE, and we want to thank Heath for taking the time and chatting with us. Again, just like I said at the top, and John reiterated, this was quite possibly the most fun interview we have had this year. This was an absolute blast, and Heath, I hope you're listening to this. We thank you so much for coming on and being so giving because that is the mark of a good trainer is being able to give back, and that is what you were in store for if you get to face-to-face wrestling. So please listen to where to go for face-to-face wrestling in the interview from Heath and get yourself educated to the 150 years worth of wrestling experience that is employed by face-to-face wrestling, including the great Mr. Hughes, WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons, WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, as well as Jazz, and of course Heath Slater, and coming up in just a few weeks, Dr. Tom Pritchard, a former guest of our show and the premier wrestling trainer, and you've heard Dr. Tom, and you've heard all the guests that we've had that have learned under Dr. Tom that have reiterated and basically hit it out of the park every time that Dr. Tom is the best in the business. So check it out today, and while you're at it, why don't you stay tuned? Every single week, we are bringing brand new episodes of the Triple Threat Podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas, as well as John and myself, to the iTunes feed, to the Podomatic feed, to the regular podcasting lineup for the two-man power trip of wrestling bringing you a mix of so many different things. We're bringing you current events. We're bringing you professional wrestling. We're bringing you sports. We're bringing you entertainment and anything and everything going on in the world of the franchise. So check us out today. And if you want to submit any questions to Shane Douglas, if there's that one burning question you've always wanted to ask the franchise, we implore you to ask the franchise anything and hit us up at the triple threat pod at gmail.com. Again, it's at the triple threat pod at gmail.com. Join the conversation and get involved today. And John, as we wrap it up here, I'm going to send it over to you. Take us the rest of the way. Hit us with a little bit of two man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the one man band, baby. Heath Slater. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. 
Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 11:25 with Arn Anderson and Telly Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former four-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, a former FCW World Southern and Tag Team champion is a current wwe superstar on the raw brand he's got kids he's the one-man band heath slater please enjoy i'm just one man WWE World Tag Team Champion. He's been an FCW World Champion, a FCW Southern Champion, a FCW Tag Team Champion. But we know him by one name, and that is the One Man Band. As we welcome the one and only Heath Slater joining the Two Man Power Trip. Heath, thanks for joining us. Whoa! That was one hell of an introduction, man. Thank you for that. Oh, Heath, my pleasure. Well, we're ready to join the uh, join back with the three man band, so we can uh, we can add one to two pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let's, let's let's try it, man. Let's see how far we can go with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, Heath, this is so cool to have you on. We like to say it's a year in the making because uh, about a year ago, year when you were the making. hottest free agent in pro wrestling, you know, we we tried we tried to uh, <laughs> to get our contacts in. So this is a year in the making, but man, we are so pumped to have you on to talk about oh. your face-to-face wrestling school. This is uh, this is quite the call. So I, I got to ask first question. You know, how did this all come about? And tell us about the face-to-face wrestling school. Man, with the face-to-face wrestling, it was just one of those things. Like when I started wrestling, you know, when I was 20 years old and first went to a school and got in the ring and started just you know, getting the feel of what it's really like to become and 
you know, you know, just to become a professional wrestler. And I mean, ever since then, always was you know, one day, one day I might get a school, one day, you know, it's always that one day. But then, next thing you know, years later, um, I finally got it. So it's one of those things that it's like a, uh, it's just a happy moment, and I'm excited, and I hope everyone else is also. And um, yeah, pretty much, like I'm just excited. <laughs> Well, to give you a little bit of a background, we've talked to one of the trainers at your school and also your trainer and Mr. Hughes. So hearing about your excitement, (laughs) well, we heard about your excitement directly from Curtis Hughes. So I'm going to touch on that in in a minute here. But what you've got on paper, just by reading everything that you've put out on the website about it, uh, seeing how you've been so interactive on social media and trying to really get the word out, about the wrestling yeah. school, you know, how have you felt about that part of it? Do you like going the grassroots uh, method to get your, you know, your own personal brand out there to uh, to the wrestling fans and prospective students? I mean, of course, you know, and I mean, it's like I've been, you know, wrestling. Shoot, I couldn't even tell you how long. Um, and you know, with WWE for eleven years now, so it's like I pretty much know how to, you know, work the right way and you know, do the right things and, you know, with psychology and everything like that. So I feel like I can help a lot. And I like to teach, you know, I like to help out, you know, and everything like that, getting to know new people, watch them succeed. I mean, even still in the back today, you know, I've talked to guys and, you know, we have heart to hearts and everything like that. But um, it's just one of those things like, I mean, you can have me coming in and out. You got Mr. Hughes down there. and he, I mean, hell, he taught me, he gave me all the tools, you know, so it's like one of those things that that was, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. We have Teddy Long coming in, and, I mean, he knows everything from managing, wrestling, setting up rings, taking down rings, traveling long hours, to general managing, you know. I mean, he has he's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. And then we have Ron Simmons coming down and Jazz helping out. So, I mean, we got, we got, a, we got a good hand to people, you know, and a good, I don't know, 100 and some years of knowledge, I think. Yeah, it has to be, man. But it's just, you uh, know, it's an exciting thing. And we could, we, I mean, I'm just I'm just one of those guys that's like, I don't want to take your money, and I'm a huge believer in karma. So it's like, hey, you want to get taught the right way and learn, you know, as much as you can, that's up to you. Just come in here and be a sponge and soak up as much as you can. It's actually 150 years of professional wrestling knowledge between everybody <laughs> involved damn, with the school so, <laughs> so that's even 50 more than you gave your trainers credit for there so that's pretty yeah. uh that's hey, pretty uh pretty young, darn man. good there but yeah, yeah and they a couple things that you mentioned. oh absolutely yeah 100 percent. but <laughs> you know and, and a couple of things that you mentioned there and talking about uh understanding psychology and having people that want it that's what mr hughes said about you he said that from when you walked in you know, as a 20-year-old kid, through the doors, and he met you. He said he could see you were hungry and that you understood the psychology and you just you wanted to do what it took to get to where you wanted to be, and you weren't there to just waste time or them to drain you of your money. You were there to actually learn, and I think that you came up in an era where wrestling schools, they could have been a dime a dozen. You could have gone anywhere, but you went to the right place, which also shows you did your research and you went and found the right people. So in what you're putting out there with your brand, 
do you think that that's what people are going to do? They're going to do the research, and they're going to see these names, and they are going to flock to face-to-face. Well, you, I mean, pretty much you just said said it all. So only thing I can do is keep my guy to happy, you know? So it's like I hope I, – I want, I want to bring in, you know, everyone um, from everywhere. You know, I mean, giants to – you know, little people to cruiserweights to, you know, my size, people with charisma, people without charisma, just like, because I, I can I can help them all, I feel, you know, I, I can give them a little bit of knowledge just because, like, I feel like in the wrestling business, I'm more of like a, a chameleon. I, like, adapt to what I have to do. I mean, it's just, you know, that's just how I feel about myself. So I'm just hoping, you know, this school will open a lot of eyes and see that the right people are there to help you out to succeed and, you know, come on in and just soak up everything you can like a sponge. Another thing, i got to keep on referencing this interview just because it's, it's so perfect that you have Curtis Hughes on there with you and being a part of the school. <laughs> he said that you passed the first test by getting in the ring during the tryout match, and once you passed that test, he saw that you had that in you. So what's kind of the uh, – you know, the framework of what you're going to teach a prospective student coming in through the door. Is it just having them understand psychology? Is it just seeing what their athletic ability is? Or is it seeing if you got a complete package there and how you can just kind of fine-tune it with their skills? Everything you just said. Like, I want the total package. I, I mean, even if the guy, you know, don't have it, the body, but he can find a good gimmick, it can work. You know, or we can have a masterpiece over here that can't do anything, so we have to work around the edges on it to get him comfortable enough to do what he can do to look good out there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things where, you know, you can have the perfect specimen of what you feel that the wrestler should look like, but then again, if he has no charisma and he sucks, it's just not going to happen. So you have to work around it, you know, stuff like that. So it's just like whoever comes in, I'll – talk to them, get to know them, see what they got, and start working from there. I mean, that's all you really can do, I feel. So when you uh, so when you have somebody, you know, if you're out backstage and you are talking, you know, with guys and they come to you for advice, you know, what's kind of like your, your approach to teaching them? Do you take just a friendly approach or do you want to be uh, in more of a mentor role to them and kind of show them the ropes the way maybe you were shown by your guys? Oh. Uh, I'm just brutally honest. That's all I can say. Um, I'm I'm nice, of course. You know, I, I'm I'm just genuinely a nice dude. But um, I'm just honest. You know, I'll just tell them. I'll just be like, you know, this is what you did. This is what you should have done. This is, you know, next time try to do it and apply it type deal. You know, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat nothing because if you sugarcoat it, I mean, you're just going to think that you're doing it right and you're going to keep doing it and you get a habit of doing it. And they say, you know, You've been doing stuff wrong for years. And then what does that do for you? You have to hit the reverse button, back up, and try it over again, do it over again, and learn it over again. So just be honest and, like, you know, tell them how it is. I mean, that's 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 my approach. And then some people might be sensitive and be like, oh, no, with the boo-boo face, but it'll toughen them up, put another layer of skin on them, and they will thank you later for it. Did you uh, did you run into anybody that was like that with you, where they were brutally honest when you might have gone to them for advice? Oh hell yeah, Double A Arn Anderson, number one. 
<laughs> I'll tell you right now if you're the shits or not. Um, he's great. Um, Taker, he'll tell you. Cena, he'll tell you. Um, Edge, Edge was a hard critic on me, but he helped me out in so many ways that he probably don't even realize. Um, Dr. Tom Pritchard, heck of a, you know, trainer, friend, talent, everything. And um, just brutally honest, Norman Smiley was. I mean, it was just like um, it helped you. And I, and I guess, like, I mean, hell, Mr. Hughes, when I first started was. I mean, he told me exactly what I was getting myself into. And me being, hell, what was it, 1920? That hungry, hungry, hungry kid trying to chase his dream. I would have done anything. And that helps. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just hear, you know, all the roses and everything's great and there's nothing to work on because I'm sure there's guys out there that if you don't want to give the criticism, they don't want to critique because, you know, different people take uh, criticism in different ways. I know myself personally, I'm not a big fan of criticism. I take it very, uh, very much to heart. <laughs> Admi- admittedly, you, you know, at least that, I can though, say man. that. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. At least you're admitting it, right? You're right. At least you're admitting it. Right, right. I feel like I'm going to lay down here on the couch here. Like, it's a venting session. But that's great that you're able to find the guys that can give you those those straight-up critiques. But did you find it easier to process when it was told to you straight up? Or if it was coming from a guy like Double A, you obviously know the weight is behind it. He's Double A. He's done it all. He's seen it all. Um, do you process it the same way? Or you take that advice and you, you know, you try to refine what you can? Or do you just listen to everything he says precisely and do what he says. No, I, I do it my own way because I, I can't be double A Orrin Anderson. You know, I can only be Heath Slater out there shaking my hips, hooting and hollering and, you know, laying my shoulders on the mat. What I'm saying is, is that when it comes from people that knows the business, been in the business and, you know, shaped and formed the business, Man, how can you go wrong? You know? I mean, when it comes from the horse's mouth of some of the greatest that ever step in that ring, you, you I mean, you you take it, you process it, and then you make it your own. So pretty much I put it in my brain, shut that thing up until I don't know what's going on, and hopefully something good comes out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a guy like Dr. Tom, who we just, we've had Dr. Tom on a couple times. And, I mean, Dr. Tom has forgotten stuff about wrestling that could be somebody's entire lifetime in the business. And he is very brutally honest, and he will tell you straightforward how it is. But what did you think about Dr. Tom's uh, in-ring style with you guys and, and getting you in the ring and kind of getting you through the ropes and showing you what it's like to, uh, to kind of step in and, and go one-on-one with a guy like him? Murray's the best. I mean, honestly, like, he is by far one of the best, hands down, when it comes to working, when it comes to teaching, anything like that. I mean, hell, I remember once me and him in FCW, this is training now. This is totally training. You know, we're at FCW just training. He's in there, and he wants to do a a one-hour Ironman match, one hour. So next thing you know – he picks me, and I'm right out of meniscus surgery. And I don't know, it was probably, I don't know, maybe three weeks back, you know, to where my leg's like, you know, getting 
you know, bendable like the Tin Man. I'm oiling up a little bit, so it's good to go. So he says we're having a one-hour Iron Man match. So I'm th- sitting there thinking, like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? Really? Me and you? Shoot. So the whole class is watching. Me and him, he did, he doesn't call nothing to me. Nothing. Like, it's just like, come on. I'm putting my boots on, knee pads, and I'm meeting you in there. Let's talk. So not even, let me guess, I'm saying seven, eight minutes in the match. He calls, shoot me off, give me a backdrop. And I'm saying, no, just take a back elbow. He's like, no, give me a back drop. So as a teacher, and I'm the student, I listen. So I shoot him off. Boom, back drop, boom. He's selling his ankle like, you know, you know, he's just got shot in the leg in the army. Next thing you know, he says, cover me. I cover him. One, two, grab a hold. I'm having him in a headlock. Next thing you know, he's like, I think my damn ankle's broke. <laughs> I was just like, what? Are you kidding me? He's like, just wait right here, wait right here. So we're sitting in there, and we go an an hour, an hour with him with a broke ankle, and he still made me throw up at the end of the match. So what does that tell you? (laughs) You know? Pretty funny that he could have broke ankles, be injured, still basically make you uh, gas out. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. And and that was when I was good. I mean, really good. Like, you know, 24, you know, 20, no, 22 maybe, 23. And I was I was a stud back then. Well, I wouldn't say a stud, but, you know, I was, I was pretty good. <laughs> and, and that's the good thing about, like, Tom, you know, he always brought the best out of you. That's why on November 10th and 11th, he's coming up to face-to-face wrestling, and he's going to do a seminar. So whoever in the world wants to come to that, please do, because I'm going to be there on the 11th with him. That is awesome, and and that's quite a treat. And you think about Dr. Tom and FCW in training. Are you going to try to basically kind of mimic some of the stuff for face-to-face wrestling with Dr. Tom's? even when he's not there, and and do some of that SCW training? Well, of course. It got me to where I'm going. And at at this moment, you know, it's just one of those things where it works. He he knows how to uh, just find find the best in you. And, you know, I I learned from that. And that's kind of what I do also. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this thing, I hopefully this thing will be his first seminar or his only seminar with us, you know. I want him to come back just because I just know people can learn from him. And he's got uh, seminars kind of all over the place. I know he's got one in uh, New Jersey coming up, and he's kind of yep. you know, popping up all over the place. So it's kind of, uh, you know, obviously well known that he's such a great trainer, but kind yeah. of what – what are you going to be, you know, with your seminars, like what are you kind of going to be showing, the, you know, going through the ropes and showing them? Are you kind of going to be doing a Dr. Tom, a little bit of tough love, or are you going to be a little bit softer on the guys? No, come on. You got to show the tough love. You got to be honest. That's what I was saying earlier. You have to always be honest. Because, I mean, if if the guy needs help, you need to let him know he needs help. Because he's in front of you wanting you to teach him the right way. So if you don't teach him the right way, how's he going to learn? So if it's a little tough, 
I'm sorry, but this this ain't going to be easy. It won't be easy. You know, I mean, it's not just in-the-ring work, you know. I mean, once you get in-the-ring work, you got to become, you know, and a character of, of something you want to portray or something like that. And then after that, you need to get a damn good entrance. And then after that, you got to find some good music. Like, there's so much stuff that goes into just a character, it's not even funny. So I'm sorry, but if it's not going to work, I'll be like, I don't think it's going to work. But then again, that's just my scoop of ice cream. You might see it and think it's the best thing ever, and that's your scoop of ice cream. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah. coming from a current WWE star, I feel like it holds a lot, a lot of weight for these guys to really kind of take what you're saying, not just with a you know, grain of salt, really take it in of what you're saying. Because you're a current guy. You're a kind of guy that went through that whole thing where you kind of found your character and found your entrance and the music, you know, really fits you. You feel like you are almost like the perfect guy to have these young guys come in and train with? I mean, I'm I'm probably one of them because there's a lot of good training facilities around. But I can tell you this much. I've been there for a long time. I know what they like, what they want, and I can always teach you the right way. That's a guaranteed fact. And I got a lot of friends in the business, and they can come in and teach you also. Very good point. A lot of friends, and like we mentioned before with uh, Ron Simmons being there, I think it's pretty funny that you kind of went through that great gimmick that you were doing, that kind of that anti-legend gimmick, and I feel like that was great little homage <laughs> at the end. He was kind of the guy that ended it, so I think it was kind of, you know, perfect timing there. Oh, oh he, he put the period and the exclamation <laughs> mark on it. <laughs> That's true. You know? Oh, man, that was uh, that was a blast for me, being honest. Um, 100% blast. I mean, I was literally reliving the fear of my childhood in the ring as a grown adult man, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> having Big Van Vader, Sid Vicious, going Rakishi, Piper, DDP, Doink. I mean, Doink wasn't that scary, but, you know. But it's just like, you know, Animal. Animal for Legion of Doom. I mean, it's just one of those things where you're just like, holy hell, is this really happening? Like, damn, is this really happening? I remember being in the first row looking up and seeing Sid and Banner, you know, and all these guys and being like, oh, no, I hope Sting beats him up, you know, <laughs> something like that. But it was just it was just crazy to me. So just so surreal. And uh, just performing with them and them enjoying it also, you know, coming back, you know, being out for, you know, however long it was, and them coming back and really enjoying it and having a good time with it. I mean, it was just like a double win. And it was a hell of a segment, you know. You know, just the whole which legend is coming back, me in the ring talking some junk. I mean, I just thought it was just, uh, it was all around good for, like, me, them, and the fans. It was awesome because you think about it, you were basically kind of the best part of Raw at that point because it's, you never knew what you were gonna <laughs> you were gonna say, which was hilarious. And then you never knew, like you said, you never knew who was gonna come out, and then you never knew what they were gonna do to you. So it really was the best part of Raw for quite a quite a time. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I didn't know what I was gonna say. I didn't know who I was gonna go up, up against. 
And that all happened, you know, while everyone's loading in at Raw, I'm still sitting there like, doo-doo-doo, what's going to happen? Oh, crap. <laughs> it's getting close to doors. So, yeah. So we were, we all were feeling the same thing. Basically, the MVP of Raw during that, that you know, that segment, I just, I just thought it was hilarious that uh, Ron Simmons, you know, who just, you know, comes out and does the damn. I just thought that was the perfect oh, yeah. kind of ending to it after Lita beat him. Uh, beat him. <laughs> oh, it was, hey, hey, hold on now. Lita might have <laughs> finished me off, but there was at least 15 legends down there helping her. And, right? Yeah, and Ron, agree with yep, me and Ron Simmons and Bradshaw, yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, I take that back. Lita was great too. That was a good ending for the Raw 1000 because no one was going to expect you know her to come out and me take it as a joke. And then she t- called up some protection. Here comes APA. It was just all a good little thing, you know. That was great. I get you know that's one of those things over the years. You know, sometimes you forget some things are raw, but that's something you always remember. And it's great though because stuff like that will stick in not only fans, but guys that are coming up to train with you. I feel like stuff like that really sticks with you because it's not just the wrestling aspect. you got to entertain as well. Oh, you have to entertain. I mean, come on now. What's in the name of WWE? Entertainment. You've got to entertain. You have to. and I mean, it's a must. They come to be entertained. So that doesn't mean if I have to go out there, act a fool, wrestle giants, wrestle little people, you know, whatever I have to do, if I can make sure that at least a few people leave that building saying, man, Heath Slater made me laugh my ass off, or Heath Slater was awesome tonight, or I was coming to see Heath Slater, you know, that that makes me feel great because I'm there for them, period. And you never know kind of what's going to happen and what's you know where people are going to go like like you for instance you know you came up through deep deep south and, and fcw yep. and nxt for a little bit and obviously wb but then you know with the three-man band you had jinder uh, drew mcintyre and yourself and you never know where these guys are going to land then two of them get released two of them come back and two of them are champs and then you obviously are a former <laughs> tag champ so you never know what's going to happen like, in the business i'm a kfc chicken now man <laughs> hey, I honestly, those two guys are like my brother, man. I, I love them to death, and I am literally so happy for both of them. Ginger's doing great. Drew's doing great. They're both great. I mean, I'm all, all, all I can say is that I'm happy for them. You know, I just need to beat up Brock, you know, and become the Universal Champion, and we can all unite like Transformers and like make that big three on B come back again. But um, I'm really sure that's not going to happen. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's like words in the wind. But um, I'm very happy for them. And, I mean, and they're great guys too. And I'm sure you know you've probably done an interview with them or something, maybe. But I mean, they're awesome dudes, and you know, hopefully they get more success. And the KFC chicken, which obviously was recently, just goes to show you that. Uh, you know, the entertainment aspect, that that was pretty damn funny as well. Oh, man, it's so much fun, too. Like, I can't complain one bit about that. I will put on a chicken soup, make a good payday, and go out there and act a fool with Kurt, with Big Show, with, you know, 
some of the SmackDown roster guys and girls that I don't even get to see anymore because we're all, you know, spread out. And, you know, we only get to see each other, you know, Mania, SummerSlam, Rumble, you know, the big, big events that we're all there for. But, yeah, I mean, shoot, it's fun. It's entertainment. And that's uh, that's what it's all about. Very, very, very funny and very surprising. You never know who's going to kind of show up either as the colonel or as the chicken. You never, you never quite know. <laughs> you have no idea. There's so many of them. Now, with the WWE obviously having the performance center now, and that's something that's you know, yeah, obviously a lot of guys aspire to go there because that's a great training facility. What of kind course. of what do you kind of take away from that, or, or can you take anything away from that and bring it to face-to-face wrestling as far as the performance center? What do you mean by take away? Like, is there anything, like, you would say, oh, I, I want to not steal, but almost like, oh, they do that at the performance center. I think we should do that here. I'm basically just trying to get guys ready for the performance center. So I don't want to steal nothing from them, you know, or anything like that, you know. Like, I mean... I know they're down there teaching them what I'm wanting to teach the guys because I came from Deep South, and that evolved to uh, FCW. That evolved to NXT, which NXT was just a season on the television show, and I was with season one, like with Nexus and everything. So it was like NXT, like I could say I was like the foundation or some of the foundation of NXT. You know what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things that it just evolves, evolves, evolves. And, I mean, man, they got the best of the best down there training. The best of the best. But not everyone is good enough to get there yet. So come to face-to-face. I'll I'll get you ready. And the staff we have will get you ready. I mean, it's, it's just it's right there on paper. Like, come on. Like, I'm wanting to get guys ready for you know, NXT and WWE, you know, it's like, let's, let's do this. That's, that's my motivation. That's my way of thinking, you know, because that's where everyone's wanting to get to anyway. And you definitely are doing, you know, things the right way because obviously they said 11 year run with the company. I mean, I mean, plus, you know, that's saying a lot and thinking about that inaugural basically season of NXT when it wasn't really NXT the like as we know it today obviously it was, it was exactly a, a TV show That's so when you guys exactly. were doing that like when you guys were doing that and building yourself up and, and becoming the nexus was the mentors quote-unquote on that show really helpful to you or was that you know just quote-unquote just the gimmick of the show oh no they helped us 100 percent like Jay or Christian Man, helped me so much, and he probably don't even realize it, you know. He he me just like little things that he would just tell me just because he would be, you know, in my corner during the matches, and we would like he would let me do my match, and then afterwards let me know what I did right and wrong, you know. Like he's like they he, they took it serious, you know. Well, my season anyway, season one. I don't know about two, three, four, five, and six, or how however far it went, but no. Christian helped me out a lot, and thank God, you know, him and Adam or Edge, you know, were, you know, best friends, so Edge was helping me, too, and now it's funny because Rhino was with them way back in the day when they were touring together, and now me and him was tag champs, so it's, like, crazy how, like, us three or four all 
twine together a little bit. But um, but I can tell you this much, like the games that we had to do, we had no idea what the hell was going on. The promos and everything we had, they would just put a mic right in your face. The matches, they would switch up. You know, they'd tell you first this is going on, but this is really happening. And then you would go out there and you'd be just, you know, they were testing the hell out of us. And that was in season one. Season two and three and four, I can't speak for. I don't know. They might have scripted some because they probably watched season one and was like, oh, my God, these guys are nuts. What's going on? But, um, yeah, it was just, it was all up in the air. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Would you prefer the unpredictability of not, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, or are you more proponent of knowing what's going to happen? To be honest, right now in my career, I would just like to know a little bit and just ad live. Just because I know what I can do and I know pretty much what the other guys can go. And like listening to the people, hearing what they want, you know, it's like it's better that way to me. But it's just one of those things where you get the real emotion also, you know, the whole unpredictable you don't know what's going to happen and then when it happens you get that real emotion on camera like what the hell you know just like okay a perfect example nxt season one uh there was a keg carrying contest you know pick the keg up run it around the ring drop it whoever got the best time wins i won it i've done it a few times back in the day so uh (laughs) so Next thing you know, they were telling me that I was going to have, like, some kind of, like, rural treatment type thing. But that rural treatment turned into me having a two-segment match with Kane and not knowing anything. And this is me, NXT Season 1, with Kane, Glenn Jacobs, Kent Kane. And he is a veteran that knows everything. And I am this young kid, still green pretty much in the business. I mean, not green, but, you know, to them, I was green as hell. But it was like, what the hell? And that's the whole me being like, holy crap. Oh, no. Don't mess up. I We're not even calling anything. I don't know what's going on, you know? But it's just like you just didn't – I didn't know. So it was just like, oh, my gosh. So they got real emotions for me. So I, I feel like it's – let me know a little bit, but let's ab live a lot. And I feel like they kind of threw so many different things at you at that point. It was almost like, let's see if these guys can handle it because we had big plans for these guys. Did you kind of had any idea that you were going to be a part of this big debut on Raw, make the attack, beat up Cena and Punk, and, <laughs> and basically, you know, it basically formed the nexus to become this huge thing? Bro, we had no damn idea. Not one idea. Not one. It was like, you if you get, you know, cut, are you going back down to Florida championship for another two, three years? Or are they going to keep you up to do something with you? Or, you know, what's going to happen? And what I really, really think is that triggered that Nexus thing. You know, the whole Nexus idea is when I think it was Glenn in the ring and we all jumped in, like the good guys, the bad guys, everyone, we all jumped in and they booed us. And then next thing I know, it was supposed to have been like every two weeks elimination or every other week elimination. It was like elimination, 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 elimination. Like they started to get rid of people like left and right. But 
the 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 boom that we got from that was great, and I think that's what triggered the whole deal with oh no, we need to put them all together. These young rebels that want to come out and demolish everything. So in Miami, we get there not knowing nothing, and I mean nothing. And the next thing you know, they call us in Vince's office, tells us, hey, you're forming this group called Nexus. Here's some here's some armbands. Wear them on your I think it was like your you know left arm or your right arm, whichever arm it was. Um, don't tell anyone, but you guys are going to go down to the ring tonight and destroy it and destroy whoever's in it. And we all just was like, Whoa, what? What's going on? And then Vince was like, any questions? And I just raised my hand, and he was like, yeah. I was like, so pretty much you just wanted to destroy everything, like everything. He says, yeah, we're getting a new set and everything. Just destroy it. The next thing you know, Nexus in Miami, we're all in our suits and stuff with our gear underneath it. Time was right. We took our suits off, <laughs> loaded up, and went out there and destroyed some hell. <laughs> Had some fun time doing it. Just going out there destroying everything that was inside. The ring, the people, the announcers. At the announcing table, the mats, we exposed everything. We we went out there like we would never have a chance to be in WWE again. And it was fun and awesome. That was quite an epic moment for sure. And, you know, over the course of that, that summer, spring, whatever you want to call it, I was at, and obviously my co-host here, Chad, was there as well sitting right next to me. We were at MSG. I think it was Cena okay. versus Sheamus was, was the main event, and this was when Nexus was at its hottest. Man, that crowd, yep. you guys snuck out of the crowd. They, they went nuts for you guys. Like <laughs> They were just, I, you, they were in a fury. I, I totally remember that night because we showed up to MSG late. I mean, like 30 minutes before, you know, the match was going on. Like, if that. You know, we showed up. They literally said, Go out, jump them, jump the guardrail, get back in your car, and go to the next town. We said, yes, sir. <laughs> this <laughs> thing you know, we went down there, Dina, and it was Seamus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jumped them, jumped over the guardrail. Didn't the baby face locker room come out also? They tried oh, yeah. to scare us off. Yeah. yeah. People were going, hey, oh, man, that was so much fun. It almost felt like it had that vibe to it. They didn't know if it was real or not. They're like, what is going on? Oh, everyone was, like, shocked. Yeah. I'm glad you were there to feel the energy also. That was was good moments, man. That was fun times. I mean, man, and working with Bret Hart also. My gosh, that was so much fun. Oh, the good old days, man. The good old days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of old now. (laughs) <laughs> that was a long time ago. Hey, anytime you got kids, you know, you start feeling old. <laughs> You're damn right, man. You're damn right. Now, you know, you've had such a great career and, and these moments. It's not necessarily sometimes, you know, as, as far as, like, teaching these guys and teaching your students, not as far as so, sometimes, like, all oh, the matches and this and that. A lot of it is creating moments, and I feel like you've done a great job of that, whether it's being the free agent 
which was great and, and a great run. Do you kind of want to instill that in them? Like you want to kind of leave your mark and leave a, like a lasting memory, not just, you know, make sure you execute a, an arm bar correctly. Oh, bro, it's all about leaving those moments. You, you, every every WWE superstar and indie wrestler, anybody that's in the wrestling business goes for those moments because those moments is what you don't forget. Everyone does an arm bar. Everyone does a drop toe hold. Everyone can throw a drop kick. I mean, everyone does these cool moves, but those moments is the ones that last forever. You get what I'm saying? Yep. You know, like, every, I don't care if you have to go out there for one damn minute. Run down to the ring, slip and fall on your butt, get in the ring, get rolled up. Who cares? Someone's going to remember that. You know, like, who's done it? Nobody. Okay, let me do it. You know, like, stuff like that. It's one of those things where, like, you have to have those moments to plant that seed in the brain just so they can remember it. And it, it'll grow because, like, if you have a moment like that, just like with the legend, it was, you know, Vader first. And then after that, I became the anti-legend. And it was Vader, Sid, boom, boom, and it build and build and build. People remember, remember, remember. Like I said, moments are the key. Make sure you know everything also. That's always, like, good. You got to know everything. You got to be able to, you know, do the moves, know the psychology and everything. But if you got moments that you can make people remember, make sure you do it and make sure it's an A-plus while you're doing it also. That's just how I feel about it. Oh, that's a great way to feel about it. But what's the quintessential Heath Slater moment thus far? Obviously, career's not done, but what's the quintessential Heath Slater moment? I don't think it's happened yet. And that's all I can say about it. I don't think it's happened <laughs> yet. Because you guys, you, you guys named a lot. So it hasn't happened yet. Next interview, maybe. <laughs> that's very mysterious of you. For, for somebody as, as easy going, that's very mysterious. But I, I got to dial back to the training days with, with Mr. Hughes and, and kind of, you know, yeah. tying it into face-to-face here. He talked about the car rides and learning in the car <laughs> and taking you to shows and showing you how to deal with promoters and showing you the payoff, yeah. showing you what it's like. How much did that really teach you at that early stage to see a guy like him, who's obviously a veteran, get to deal in his business? It, it was one of those things where it was eye-opening to me because, like, like me getting in the wrestling business, I never thought I would, you know, be where I'm at and stay as long as I did and, and have, you know what I mean? It was one of those things where I just wanted to damn wrestle. I just, I liked the roar, the roar of the crowd. I liked the theme music. I liked, you know, being able to be someone you can't be in public. You know, that's that's what, that was my enjoyment of it. And then me riding with Hughes for eight hours to Ohio or Kentucky or daggone Indiana or something, like wherever the hell we always traveled to, it was like, it was just eye-opening. It was like, this is how it is. You got to get rooms. You got to pay for gas. You got to sometimes drive your own car if you can't get a plane ticket. You know, you got to sell these gimmicks. You got to make eight by tens. You got to sell them for this. You got to make shirts. You got to do this. And I'm just sitting there like, holy hell, what? You got to do all. How do I do that? I don't even know someone that can make a shirt. Like, do I have to make it myself? You know, <laughs> I was that kid. Like, what the hell? Um, but 
you know, he taught me, you know, the ways on the road. The road as a, when I was shit, nineteen, tw- twenty years old, and but it was it was good for me because I always wanted to go to like Mexico and Puerto Rico and Japan. You know, I wanted to do all those tours, but WWE picked me up at such a young age because I was working all these indies with Hughes and, and one of my buddies, like Crew Jones, he worked in Georgia. He, I mean, hell, Crew Jones was the guy that got my foot in the door at Deep South for my first match there for them to even get their eyes on me. So I owe him a lot also. Good brother. But, um, but yeah, Hughes opened my eyes to, um, you know, what it's like to be on the road because he was doing it for years. And I'm just this young kid being like, oh, my gosh, you really got to do all this? Like just lost, just a lost young soul in the w, or the crazy world of wrestling, you know? Yeah, and he's a guy who was in every big territory, obviously WWF, WWE, uh, WCW, ECW. He was everywhere, and he worked for all the everywhere. big ones. He worked for Vince, he worked for Bill Watts, he worked for Paul Hay, he worked for everybody. But watching everywhere. him interact with the promoters, did you see any instances where you learned on the spot – how, you know, the quote, the promoters were, and now this is something you can in turn not just build them for the WWE, but in having to deal promoter-wise with somebody, a kid coming in, doesn't know, you know, his ass from his elbow, how can you help him with what you learned from Mr. Hughes? Uh, I can tell you this much. I remember one incident with Hughes. I forget what, you know, what federation it was that we were doing or, you know, what, what show it was. But I remember the guy promised Hughes, somewhat of money and promised him that he would pay me a hundred. But I got an envelope with my name on it and only had 50 bucks in it. I was excited. I was like, heck yeah. You know, I'm getting 50 bucks. Yeah. All right. The next thing you know, she was asking me how much I got. I told him 50 bucks and he was just like, no, that's not right. And I'm just like, well, what, what do you mean? You know, cause he never told me I was going to even get paid or anything. He just wanted me to come. So Hughes marched back in there, talked some, you know, crap to the promoter, but I was on the outside. He was like, come with me, but stay here. So he took my money in there with the envelope, talked some junk to the dude. They thing you know, I came back out, I had a crisp $100 bill in my envelope. So, yeah, promoters can be shady, and you, that's why you got to find the right ones to work for. And, I mean, that's going to be trial and error, too, because you're going to just want to wrestle, and the next thing you know, you don't get stiff 50 bucks and you ain't going to say nothing about it or you are. But that, that's, that's an honest story. Uh, and I can't imagine anybody being on the other end of, uh, of Curtis Hughes coming through that door and, uh, <laughs> living to tell about yeah. it. Did you get to, did you get to see the out of body experience of him getting into the sunglasses? N- what do you mean the outer? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's the transformation. He goes from, uh, you know, Curtis, he puts on the glasses and the yeah. hat, now he's Mr. Hughes, you know. It's, Mr. Uh, Hughes, right? <laughs> he, I mean, you know, just yeah. hearing the stories he told us about wrestling Undertaker back in 92, wrestling Macho Man. Oh, yeah. The oh, early yeah. days of Monday Night Raw. When you made it to WWE, he said you went from him to Deep South and you never looked back. He, he's, that's well documented. But when you made it to yeah. the main stage, to Raw, do you call Mr. Hughes and, and kind of get his seal of approval, or does he reach out to you and say, Heath, I knew you'd do it, bud? 
That it's vice versa. Well, are you talking about when I first made it? When you got to the main roster, to WWE Raw, when you got there, you know, how did that conversation yeah, he, go down between you two? No, nah, he, he reached out to me, you know, because it was one of those things where I was so excited, I didn't even know what was going on. And then he heard down the grapevine because, you know, they put it, you know, everywhere on the Internet, you know, and everything. And then he calls me the next day. It was the next day, and it was just one of those things where he was like, you wasn't going to call and tell me, you know? And I just was like, no, I was going to, you know, just wait when I got the phone call, blah, 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 blah. And then he just was like, you know, telling me that he still remembers the first time I came in, I was hungry. He saw it in my eyes, I'm a tiger, you know, all that stuff. But it's uh, it's always good to hear from, you know, your coach, your trainer, you know, the guy that gave you the tools and helped you on the way, you know. And, I mean, you know, back then when I was first training, learning the basics, and then, you know, from scrap, he was like the perfect trainer for me. He got to me. He uh, helped me learn. He um, helped me. You know, it was just one of those things where now, you know, with face-to-face and you know, he being the head trainer, it's like full circle type deal. Like people can learn from him just like I learned from him, you know, 15 years ago to now, you know, him teaching, you know, Everything he taught me, plus me, I can come down and show the kids even more stuff that I've learned on my journey. And Teddy Long can show the kids some stuff on, you know, what all he learned through his journey. And it's just one of those things where it's like just all full circle and give them back. Definitely full circle for sure. And as we start to wind it down, hitting the wind down button, I just got to ask right. because – you guys are, you know, based uh, going to be based, uh, you know, out of the South. Face to face wrestling going to be based uh, basically out of Georgia, down there. Yep. Got to ask about a WWE Network show called Southpaw Wrestling. Does any of that come from uh, does that <laughs> Southern wrestling at all? Because it seems like it is. Well, I mean, you know, that that character on there, impressive pelvis Wesley, might have came through a few times, but uh, other than that, you know, I don't, I don't see too many of, of the others. <laughs> South. That's so much fun to do, man. Oh, we're just trying to bring back the eighties. <laughs> the good old days. Oh man, Southpaw. That's fun. Impressive pelvis Wesley's fun. <laughs> the last last season, man, I literally there's this guy named Dustin Wallace. He works for dot com and he's a camera dude. He's a great friend of mine, wonderful guy. I love him to death. And uh me and him, literally, he got me an Elvis costume, Elvis shades, wig, boots, you know, the whole nine yards. And we were in Nashville. And, I mean, I know Elvis is from Memphis and all that, but we're in Nashville for Raw. And that the night before Raw, we went out on the Nashville streets as me dressed up as impressive Elvis Wesley. And we just were acting a fool, having a good time, getting some lunch, you know, just enjoying life. And it was a lot of fun. And then us enjoying life and, you know, just, you know, talking and just having a good time, he gets footage for Southpaw Wrestling. So it's just it's all around an awesome time and fun to do, so much fun to do. Now, when we had Dr. Tom on about two weeks ago or so, we asked him specifically about Southpaw Wrestling because we didn't know what he would think of it. 
And guess what? He loved it. He loved it. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the best. It's just one of those things like, come on, man, we're having some fun. You know, I mean, uh, the it's all over, you know, .com, the Internet. And then you get to see, you know, some of the WWE guys, you know, acting different characters just to where – like we're, what we do back in the locker room, you know, just to have fun with it and everything. So we just, you know, putting smiles on people's faces and having a good time doing it. Now, obviously, you've had quite the run in WWE, you know, and, and obviously you went all through developmental and everything. But do you have any favorite matches so far within your career that you've had so far that really stick out above others? Shoot. Like, favorite matches, like, of all time and everything. Well, um, I love the SummerSlam when it was Nexus versus WWE. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, winning the tag titles over the years and the battles in between winning and losing and all of that was a blast. Um, I've had a lot of fun wrestling, you know, just, you know, like odd people that you wouldn't think of, like, like I, me and uh, Kalisto, like, like I worked well with him. He probably will tell you a great story. You know, the first time we ever worked, but uh, <laughs> it's actually hilarious. But you know, the second time we worked, it was an amazing match, and it was one of those matches where not too many people saw it because it was like a main event. But we had time, and it was just you know a lot of fun working with the kid and having a good time with him. But, um, you know, just, like, throughout the years with matches, like, it's, like, sometimes, you know, like, with our schedule, it's, like, all these matches just run into each other. And it's, like, sometimes you remember, sometimes you forget because you're on the road, you know, four days a week, wrestling Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You're back home. You re-energize. You're right back out. You know, sometimes doing some of the same matches, sometimes not, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I really sat down and thought about it, I could get 15 handfuls. But it's just one of those things where, you know, right off the top of my head, I don't know, I'm scrambling right now. <laughs> what matches now, do you a... remember that you liked? Well, I, I off the top definitely of your head? like, yeah, I, I just automatically I always think of that SummerSlam because it was leading up to it, obviously we were at MSG, but leading up to it was, such a good thing. I just didn't like, to be honest, I didn't like the ending. I didn't like the way the match ended. But that's just me. And that's, I, I think the that's next everybody. <laughs> that's not just you. I think that's everyone. I mean, it would have been great, you know, put WWE in jeopardy and have us running the asylum, you know, and all this stuff, all the way up to Mania, and then have one big match, you know, and then it comes to an end. But it didn't happen that way, and it could have been amazing if it did. But, no, I'm pretty damn sure you're not the only one that thinks that. I could see that. I could definitely uh, <laughs> definitely believe that. Yeah. I remember somewhat recently you and Rhino against the Usos. I really enjoyed that. And then obviously oh, man. you guys against... The Usos. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say you guys against the Usos, like a young young team like them. It was definitely uh, oh. definitely highlight. Man, they are great. They are so much fun to work too, man. I mean, they're just you know just smooth, easy, good. You know, I mean, I mean that goes down the line for like office Samoans. You know, they're just always had that in ring ability to go and to be amazing at it. And I mean, the twins, man, they they you, you can't deny them. You just cannot deny them. I mean, they should be tag champs. They are great, and they 
run their mouth and back it up. So it was a lot of fun working with those guys. I just was shocked that me and Rhino got, you know, in the shakeup and went to Raw. That's what really threw me off. I thought we were staying and we were golden. I mean, it kind of makes – makes to me it doesn't make any sense that I was a free agent. They gave me a shot to get a contract. Next thing you know, I got a contract, got to become the first ever SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, and then I get traded? Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Does that make sense to you? No. <laughs> You know, like, you would think you would think they would be like, hold on now, we got to keep him. He worked his ass off. He deserves it. Nah, send him to Raw. You know, it's like, what? What just happened? No idea. Totally, totally crazy. Hey, uh, you know, storyline-wise, you got to blame Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. They blew it. They dropped the ball. Yeah, I know. I need to go and talk to them. I haven't saw them since. <laughs> That storyline with you being the you know the hottest free agent was such a big storyline too. That was that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was so well done by you. Uh, it was so much fun. I, I wish they would have kept it going. You know what I mean? I just I wish they would have just somehow kept it going. You know, winning the tag titles and everything, getting that contract was amazing. But like in my mind, what I was thinking was free agent on SmackDown doing all the interruptions and all this stuff. Cause it was getting steamed. Like you could feel the energy when you walked in the building, you know, like when I would just break up stuff and do all that, you know, nonsense. And it was like one of those things, like it could have got me sympathy if we would have lost that night. And then I showed up to raw the following week and done the same thing on raw type deal, you know, to try to get an opportunity again, you know, just to keep it going. But you know, they just they was they just wanted to end the storyline, I guess. And I mean, it was amazing winning the titles, and it was Rhino's first time ever winning, you know, the tag team titles. And it was just one of those things where he was tagging with like Tajiri, and I mean, hell, he tagged with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they never got the titles. And then here comes Heath Slater, <laughs> and they win the titles. And, and the storyline was great too, you know. I mean, the story was good, the people was invested, and it was a lot of fun. Definitely kind of, uh, you know, in my opinion, maybe dropped it a little too soon. They could have kept it going. They could have even made you maybe even do like indie shots where you really are free agent. You're wrestling on the indie scene. I tried. You know, stuff like that. I, I tried to do that. I was wanting to go to Evolve and work with Drew. You know, I wanted to do stuff like that, you know. Just, I mean, guys that I know that I've worked before that, you know, won't, you know, act a fool and, you know, go AWOL and go out for themselves, you know, just. Let's have a good match and let people really believe this storyline that I'm doing. And I, I, I pitched it, and they just turned that down real quick. Hey, like, like I, I said at the top, we, we to tried. You know, we we tried. <laughs> we tried to help the cause. We wanted to have you on last uh, uh, last fall. So, <laughs> man, been... I, oh man, I would have been like anybody that wants to call me up. That could have been fun. Yeah, it's been a year in the making, but this has been so much fun. And before we wrap it up here, we got to go back to face to face wrestling. Let's bring it. Let's bring the big pitch forward, Heath. We we'll give you the floor here. Tell the fans, tell the, the prospective wrestlers, tell everybody what it is they have to look forward to here with face to face wrestling. Face to face wrestling. Excuse me, it's a tongue twister, and what they can expect <laughs> out of 
Heath Slater being at the helm of Face to Face. I can tell you this much. Listen to this interview that we just did. I said it over and over again. Face to Face Wrestling is going to be probably one of the hottest wrestling schools out there. Why do I say this? It's because we got 150 years of experience. We cover the whole ground of wrestling when it comes to the basics, the, you know, the managing, the refing, the, you know, charisma, trying to break you out of your shell and make you who you want to be. I mean, we're going to be there to help you along the way through thick and thin, you know, come to me, talk to me, whatever you want to do. First, you've got to sign up. You can go to face-to-facewrestling.com to sign up. We got Mr. Hughes as the trainer, Teddy Long, Ron Simmons, and Jazz coming in. We got the seminar November 10th, 2 to 6 with me, and then November 11th, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. with Dr. Tom Pritchard. We got shows coming up October 21st, November 4th, and the 11th with Kara Hogan, Prince Apollo, Blackheart, Owen Knight. I mean, we got so much stuff that's going to happen will start happening. It's going to be a good thing for everyone, and I just want everyone to have a good time watching and being a part of. So, if you want to learn from me and 150 years of experience in this business, go to face-to-facewrestling.com, look it up, call Richard, and let's make it happen. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely make it happen. I mean, if you're not ready to get, go face-to-face at this point, then I don't know what the hell is wrong with you, but Heath, also please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip, you know, where they can find everything else going on in the world of a WWE superstar, a raw branded now WWE superstar in Heath Slater. Hold on. Was that a question for me? No, I'm saying give your plug, man. Where where can we find you? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were still putting me over, man. Damn. But my plug, my plug, go to uh, you can go to Instagram. Send me on Instagram at Heath Slater um, underscore XXII on um, Twitter Heath Slater OMRB. Um, Facebook, I don't have one of those for my thing. I don't think. But yeah, Instagram, uh, Instagram and Twitter is what I'm on. So um, come out, see me. Go to Face to Face Wrestling on Instagram also. We have live feed inside the school, so you can see exactly what we're doing. Is that what you were oh. talking about? Did I did I do that right or not? That was perfect. And also, I'm going to throw <laughs> this in here. Go to go to face to face wrestling dot com. hang on. Go to face to face wrestling dot com. Sign up and watch the sporadic moment, the uh, the sneaky moment where Heath Slater is going to give Ron Simmons his receipt for all those years back when he ended the legend streak. Oh, man, I don't know about that. I, I still think Ron might be able to take me. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't well, put that out there because he's a tough man. <laughs> All I can say to that is, damn. So, Heath, this has obviously been a <laughs> ton of fun on our end. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope everybody gets their butts to face-to-face wrestling and uh, and learns from the best. 150 years, you can't beat that. Thank you guys so much, man. It's been a blast, and I can't wait for the next time. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.